Welcome to the Sword and Laser, episode number 187. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I am Veronica Belmont. Nope. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I always get that wrong. I'm Tom Merritt. Is that right? It's hard to remember sometimes. I understand. <sighs> it's fantasy. <laughs> you, you wear so many different hats. It's, it's hard to keep Science track of who you are. Fiction. But I, yeah. No, well, I'm speaking. Tom Merritt. I'm proud to be Tom Merritt. I'm not ashamed of it. Speaking of science fiction and fantasy, this is the Sci-Fi Fantasy Book Club podcast, video show, book publisher, all sorts of stuff uh, for your listening pleasure. And uh, we are very excited because um, it was Hugo's weekend. Woo! Yeah, there was uh, a, a big, big a celebration at LundCon, the Worldcon in London. The Hugos were given out. Everybody had good feelings. We're going to be talking to a Hugo winner here in a little bit. Yes, indeed I do. But first, uh, let's kick things off with what are we drinking? I am drinking a uh, third shift amber lager, which isn't really that great, I'll be honest. Oh, why? I What's bought it because I like ambers, and, um, and they had it for cheap at the grocery store. But I didn't realize, they tricked me, uh, that it's just a Coors sub-brand. Um, mm. And... And I, even before I knew that, in case you're going to accuse me of snobbery, even before I knew that, I had it and I was like, mm, it's okay, like three and a half stars. So I don't hate it, uh, but I'm drinking it out of a SpaceX pint glass and that helps. Oh, nice. Well, you know, that's very fancy that you went to SpaceX and all. Oh, did, did I mention you I went to SpaceX? Go? Yeah, because I did. Because you know what? I'm going to occupy Mars. Hey, you know what? I also have an Occupy Mars mug, and when I pour coffee into it, it turns Mars green. Like, it got terraformed. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. And they gave me a rocket. <laughs> it's I not a competition. Go. It's a competition now. You made it a competition. I never did. Showing off your fancy swag, talking you're about how you went a to... a better beer than I am. I am. All right. You're, you're bringing us back around again, Tom. Good, good for you, putting us back on track. I'm drinking Hell or High Watermelon again, second week in a row, um, because it's still in my fridge, frankly. And I'm not wasting beer. Um, you know what? I still get excited when I go to the grocery store and I can buy beer. Do you still get that feeling? Like like you feel like a big grown-up that you can like buy a yeah. six-pack of beer? Well, you know what? It's actually double for me because not only is it because like, hey, I'm a grown-up. I can buy a six-pack of beer if I want to. I don't have to, you know. But actually, I have to show ID sometimes. <laughs> um, because Just not because they think I look young. It's they're like, I'm sorry. We have to do this to everyone. Uh, but also, I grew up in a dry town. So none of the grocery um, stores had beer. So just the fact that the grocery store has beer is kind of kind of cool too. I didn't know you grew up in a dry town. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. So uh, hard um, partying in uh, Greenville, Illinois, huh? We had a packaged liquor store on the edge of town, just outside the town limits, uh, and the bowling alley was just outside the town limits. And the funniest part is, in the '80s, they built a hotel and they put the rooms inside the city because they wanted to get the tax revenue, but they put the restaurant outside the city because they wanted to have a bar. Oh, that is hilarious. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is pretty wild. All right, well, excellent. Uh, I'm sorry you're drinking a crappy beer, but that's your it's own fault because you're crappy. a grown-ass man okay. and you're allowed to it's buy okay. whatever beer you want. I'm not sure third why you bought that. Third like is if you just want an okay beer, have a third shift amber lager. That's, that's their slogan, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you just want an okay beer... If you don't aim go. high, you just aim medium, this is the beer for you. 
All right. Well, let's aim high with the quick burns. Hey, um, congratulations to all the Hugo winners. But I know that I felt a little bit like I was basking in the glow that Anne Leckie's Ancillary Justice won uh, for Best Novel. Louie posted it on the Goodreads, uh, took the top prize of Best Novel. No surprise there, says Louie. I believe Veronica called this result months ago. Did you Did you call this Call this shot? Yeah, you don't remember this? I don't. When I said that Ancillary Justice was going to win all the awards. Nailed it. I said it was going to win all the awards. It has won. It won. It won the oh, Nebulas, did didn't it? It won the Hugo. The Hugo, or just all the awards? I said all the awards, but was I was. Was it after she won the Nebula that you said that? No, it was before. All right, then, then that, I that called, counts. So it counts, and I knew it. <laughs> and Terp Kristen is pissed because she hated the book. But <laughs> sorry, Terp Kristen, you're not the Hugo voting committee. You're not. Well, she's. I am. I am. I voted Apparently, for it. Veronica is it. Wait, um, is that like? What, did I do something illegal by saying I thought it was going to win all the awards and then voting for it? Did I somehow like stuff? The I don't know. I don't think so. Because you can yeah, people post their their vote list. They say that's like true. this is who I voted for. So I, I think that's, that's fine. Okay. Uh, yes, we are. We are. We are voting members. So we. Uh, I don't. Do you remember who you did? You vote for it too? I did. I totally did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was hard though because I I wanted to vote for Parasite by Mira Grant as well. But I didn't only because I love Mira Grant. Or, or, yeah, I haven't. I hadn't didn't have a chance to read it either. But I hadn't read it, and I didn't feel yeah. like I could vote for it if I hadn't read it. And I had read Ancillary Justice and loved it, so that was my tiebreaker. Actually, having read the book. <laughs> I think next year I'm gonna have to make an effort to read more of the potential nominees. I don't even know how to do that though. Like, how Let's do you do that. even decide? What if we going do... to be nominated? Well, yeah, you you got to wait for them to be nominated. Uh, there's there's always some that you kind of know ahead of time are are going to be mm-hmm. good bets. Um, but yeah, maybe we can do like a sword and laser like crunch read leading up to the Hugos because they they give you a couple months. They give you more than one month leading That's up. That's true. To. Yeah, the crunch uh, read. I like it. Or we could just do novellas because they're shorter. Ecoid by Charles Strauss won that. Mm-hmm. Novelettes are even more shorter which is not grammatically correct, but you know who is grammatically correct? The winner of Best Novelette, Mary Robinette Cole, the Lady Astronaut of Mars was the story. Uh, she looked and- amazing in her dress. Did you see the outfit she wore for the Hugos? It was incredible. No, I didn't see the picture of the outfit. Yeah, she, she's been posting pictures it? of the whole process. Just this beautiful like Regency-style dress, oh, and she had her like, hair done Jane in pin Austin. curls. She's a time it was basically, Yeah, it was basically Jane Austen was accepting the award for the Hugos. It was pretty cool. And we had Mary Robinette Cole on season two of the video show this year, uh, and we got to know her and love her like everyone else does, and so I was happy to see her win as well. Yeah, and two other, a couple other categories of people who are friends of the show. Uh, John Joseph Adams, Rich Horton, and Stefan uh, Rudnicki won for Lightspeed Magazine uh, for Best uh, Semi-Prozine. And also um, we had Best Fan Cast was SF Signal Podcast, uh, friends of the show as well. So yay for our It couldn't be us. We're very happy that it was SF Signal. And of course, uh, we were very excited to see. Eight... Doesn't say anything. What? Wait, what'd you I'm say? I'm like, if it couldn't be us, we're very happy it's SF Signal, and you're like, no. Next year. It Next all... year. <laughs> and of course, as I was saying, uh, we were super excited to see Aiden, Aiden uh, Moher, uh, author of A Night for Spirits and Snowflakes, which of course was in the Sword and Laser anthology. He won a Hugo for Best Fanzine for his site, A Dribble of Ink, and he was also involved in another win with Cameron Hurley, who won for Best Related Work for Challenging the Women, Cattle, and Slave, Slaves Narrative, uh, which was published in A Dribble of Ink. 
And uh, we happen to have Aiden on the line right now. First of all, congratulations, Aiden. Uh, Well-deserved, and we're extremely excited for you. Thanks so much. It's uh, it's been a couple of days now since uh, the ceremony, uh, and I, I still sort of can't believe it. I uh, I left my rocket behind in London. It's uh, being shipped <laughs> to me, and so without it kind of in my sight all the time, I kind of feel like you know maybe it was a fever dream. <laughs> oh man! But, uh, you didn't want to try to take it through no. security, is that? No, security doesn't uh, appreciate fourteen-pound uh, kind of sharp objects uh, <laughs> traveling in carry-on. So. Uh, so I had a chip. Oh, well, that's too bad. I mean, you never know if they're going to mess it up or, or break it in some way or do something weird with it. So I think it's probably exactly. for the best. Exactly. So yeah, I haven't, exactly. I've never been to Lancon. I've never been to a Hugo Award ceremony. Kind of tell us what it was like. How, what was the vibe there? Right. Well, the Lancon was actually my first Worldcon. I'd never been to one before. I wasn't planning on going to Lancon until I was nominated for the Hugo. So the whole experience was new and exciting and overwhelming for me, just period. Um, it was the biggest Worldcon ever, from what I've been told, and I couldn't walk down the convention center uh, without running into somebody I wanted to talk to or, you know, kind of fanboyed over uh, every hundred feet or so. So, you know, you're just walking around and, oh, hey, there's Scott Lynch and Pat Rothfuss and Elizabeth there. Um, and so that sort of community feel of just seeing all these people who existed in my, you know, in my head, it existed on Twitter in real life, in the flesh was just, just was amazing. And going to the Hugo ceremony um, as a nominee was uh, was unreal. The, um, the auditorium held about 3,000 people uh, hmm. still watching the awards. So being up on stage, looking out and just kind of this buzz of excitement and, and energy and like positivity was, was amazing. Um, and everybody, all the winners, every time somebody won, there's just the place erupted. Aww. And you could tell that there was just this sense of kind of love and uh, community, inclusiveness within the, the science fiction fan community that uh, all gathered in one place like that was, was, was pretty special. Were you surprised to, I mean, it sounds like you went from it's an honor just to be nominated, like over the top. Were you surprised to even get the nomination? I was, yeah. I um, last year, so after the the awards come out, um, they release the stats and they kind of show how many, you know, who made the long list, who almost made the ballot. And, and last year, I wasn't wasn't even on the long list, so I, you know, I thought I wasn't, you know, close to making the ballot. I had a lot of help from uh, Cam and Hurley this year in terms of, uh, you know, creating exposure uh, because we we worked on and published a, a post, uh, an essay of hers that also won a Hugo. So that sort of got the ball rolling in terms of creating some exposure for a dribble of ink. Um, when I got an email saying I'd been nominated, it was a complete shock. Um, I was hoping that a blog, a single blog, would get on the ballot. Um, after a while, you know, other people were sort of seeing that the nominations were out and I hadn't heard anything. I thought I didn't get there. Um, I was hoping actually one of Porno Kitch or the Booksmugglers got in, uh, and then it turned out all three of us did. And uh, to be on the, the ballot with two... Uh, great blogs like that who are also good friends is not only a, a big surprise but but such an honor. Uh, so yeah, the nomination alone was was amazing, and, and the win was. Uh, so what was not it like when you were sitting in the audience, going like, "Wow, this is as good as it gets." I got here with all these folks, and then they announced your name. I, you know, I was sitting beside the book smugglers at the time, and a couple seats down was Point Kitch, um, and 
we were talking before the ceremony about how grateful we were just to have our category first. Um, not first, sorry, but early on. Uh, you know, we were there, we were excited. None of us had been to the Hugos before, so we were just, you know, kind of basking in everything. We got to sit with the nominees. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, we all just wanted it to be over. Um, and for, <laughs> for something that, for something to happen, sorry, our category to be over so we could enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, so you should stop so being nervous. Our, yeah, pretty nervous for the first, you know, 40 minutes or so. Um, when they called out a dribble event uh, as winning the, that category, I just, you know, flush of, of excitement, uh, and the needles just all over my entire body. And, and after that, I don't, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot. It was, it was a bit of a blur. I remember walking up to the stage and, and getting up there and looking out over, over the audience and, you know, digging into the, my pocket for, for my speech. Um, and that's about all I remember. Until uh, yeah. about ten minutes later, when I uh, I was texting uh, texting with my wife, who was very excited. Aww. So that's when my memory sort of picks back up. So. Sure, sure. So we have to ask because uh, because now we are friends with someone who actually won. How do we get nominated? What do we have to do? <laughs> what, what should we do? You have any tips or tricks? Uh, I think I mean you guys know this better than any uh, anyone else. But but building the community, building a strong, passionate community of readers who will spread the word about your work. You know, they come back time and again to read your work, but they also go out and they tell their friends, they post on message boards, and they encourage others to read, um, to read, or in your case, listen or, or watch the show, and keep at it, and keep at it, and keep at it. Um, always push yourself to, to create and publish great content, and never never stop. I and mean, it, it's a bit of a cliche, but that, that's pretty much what I think got me, uh, got me up on that stage. Yeah, because I mean, essentially, not one, but but involved with another Hugo with Cameron Hurley. That's that's it's incredible. Well done, my friend. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It was an honor to publish that that article. Um, we have always thought is it's an amazing just piece of nonfiction. Um, Cam and I had no idea, of course, um, when we first started brainstorming the piece, and uh, I asked her if she would write it for me. We had no idea. We, you know, we were hoping it might get a, you know, a few hundred page views and, and generate a bit of discussion uh, to see Cam win. Not only that, Hugo had another one for best fan writer. It was just, uh, it was unbelievable. Which was so deserving uh, of, of the accolades. Well, Aiden, huge congrats once again. Um, of course, we are super excited to see uh, a site like yours do so extremely well. We're huge fans of your work and, of course, everything you've done for us and in the anthology. And it uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, if you want to be the next Hugo Award winner, you might want to look into the Clarion Foundation's workshops because really successful people come out of there. And Alan has a post up on Goodreads about that nonprofit and how it's raising some money. Uh, The class of 2012 Clarion Workshop is actually raising money for the foundation at theclarionfoundation.org. If you don't know, the workshop is a six-week course slash session where aspiring writers who want to write science fiction and fantasy can hone and improve their craft. Uh, Many now-famous writers in the field have attended. There's a a far-from-exhaustive list on Wikipedia. Anyway, the class of 2012 have put together an anthology to raise funds. It's a name-your-price kind of thing. Uh, So you have to do a minimum of 99 cents, but you can do anything upward. Go to awkwardrobots.org, and Alan points out that Luke R. Pebbler 
who has a story in the Sword and Laser anthology, has a story in here as well as 16 other writers. Uh, a very cheap way to check out some very strong up-and-coming writers, possible future Hugo Award winners. Yes, indeed. I know. That's that's really exciting. We talked to Luke a little bit um, about being part of the Clarion Workshop, I think, when we when I met him over at Borderlands. Um, it sounds like a great program to be a part of. And if you're serious about writing sci-fi fantasy, uh, that is definitely something you want to look into. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Paul says, uh, July is the biggest comic month in history, making $53 million, and the number one selling comic, Rocket Raccoon number one. Rack up another one for the unknown property of Guardians of the Galaxy. P.S. Groot debuted in November 1960 in Tales to Astonish number 13, years before Spider-Man, the X-Men, or every one of the Avengers, except for the original Captain America series, which was in March 1941. Wow. That's oh, incredible. I got distracted reading Rocket Raccoon number one, which oh, I... Oh, would you have it? <laughs> I wasn't looking at the video. That's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's 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 pretty crazy. And and what this uh, post from Paul led me to investigate, which I didn't realize, was how different that 1969 Guardians of the Galaxy uh, was, and and how you know the so we didn't even get Star Lord and Rocket Raccoon until 1976. Really? Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I'm not a big comic reader, um, but I love all of all the Marvel movies, and Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my new favorite, for sure. So I love that they took a chance, not only on a lesser-known comic entity, but also, you know, one that was screenwritten by a woman, which is amazing. The first Marvel uh, movie to have a, a female writer. So I think that's that's pretty awesome. Or the first, uh, at least the first, first woman credited. There may have been women who worked on the screenplays, sure, but were not sure. credited in the film. Terp Kristen uh, posted that Jennifer Lee, another female writer who co-wrote mm -hmm. Ralph and Frozen, has been tapped to work on the screenplay for a live-action version of A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel. Uh, Terp Kristen writes, I loved, 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 loved this book when I was a kid, and I am cautiously optimistic about this project. Uh, did you ever read Wrinkle in Time? Oh, yeah, years and years ago, though. Gosh, probably when I was a kid, so it's been, it's been a long time. I read this from Terp Kristen. I was like, yeah, I remember seeing the cartoon when I was a kid. So I went and looked it up to be on IMDb, like Wrinkle in Time. And I'm like, there's nothing, nothing from the 70s about a Wrinkle in Time cartoon. And then I realized it was not a cartoon. It was a film strip. <laughs> and in my mind, uh, I had turned it into an animated adventure of some sort. So turning it into a live action movie, I'm very excited about myself, too. Well, uh, we we have some interesting uh, news from the George R. R. Martin front. He says that Game of Thrones readers have already predicted the series ending. And if you are a fan of Boar's Gore and Swords or any of the other Game of Thrones podcasts, or if you're you know big on any of the Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire forums, or if you read our Goodreads forums, for example, I think we all know what they're talking about here. Tom, I'm assuming you do as well? Yes. Um, R, R plus L. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Um, no, that's what that's what the theory's called. Is that what the theory's called? I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay, you I'm didn't dumb. know that. No, I didn't know that that it had a name. Oh yeah, that's the theory. 
Uh, I'm not well, going to say any more than that because I don't want to spoil the theory for people who don't know the theory. And uh, Vulture has a quote from him. I, I guess this is a quote from Vanity Fair. He said, I've wrestled with this issue because I do want to surprise my readers. I hate predictable fiction as a reader. I don't want to write predictable. I wrestled with that issue and I came to the conclusion that changing it would be a disaster. He thought about changing it. He's like, oh, I they know. figured it out. Well, I'll just change it on him. Uh, but he's no, he's not. He's like, you can't do that. So I'm just going to go ahead. Some of my readers who don't read the boards, which thankfully there are hundreds of thousands of them, will still be surprised. And other readers will say, see, I said that four years ago. I'm smarter than you guys. Now, the thing is, we think he means that. And he probably does mean that. But if he really was worried about it, why would he say anything about it? There are, other theories. There are other theories out there. Maybe he means one of the other ones. Maybe I, I I kind of seriously doubt it because it really I think it is probably the most logical based on all of the clues we've had over the years and in the books. Um, but you know even if I still think that that's the going theory, I still want to see how it comes to be. I still want to see how it's explained or revealed to the other characters. So I'm still excited about that part of it. That doesn't mean I'm any less excited to read the books. Um, but he sort of does confirm it by saying this. And if he hadn't just kept silent, we'd all wonder. Yeah. Well, maybe he felt like it was time to be addressed. I don't know. Or maybe because Sean Bean couldn't keep his mouth shut about it. Or maybe <laughs> because, you know, like, whatever, like, the actors... Why would Sean Bean their theories. particularly talking about it? Okay. Because yeah. he got people... People interviewed him about it, and he was like, well, clearly... I, I'm not going to say anything, because I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know the readers. quote you're talking about. I heard, I heard that, okay. too. Um, Let's talk about Arthur C. Clarke and Childhood's End getting turned into a six-part miniseries by Sci-Fi. Now, before you groan, uh, producing the project is Michael DeLuca from The Social Network uh, and Akiva Goldsman, who did A Beautiful Mind. Writing the script is Matthew Graham, who has written episodes for Life on Mars and Doctor Who. In fact, he did the one, the Doctor Who couple of episodes where the people are made out of fluid uh, oh, like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a good one. Mm -hmm. it is. Uh, and hired to direct is Nick Hurren, who directed Sherlock's His Last Vow. So good, good lineup here, like a Sherlock Doctor Who BBC feel to it. Um, people were uh, saying on the forums here on io9 that they were hoping for Ringworld. <laughs> But that they'll take this, they'll they'll take childhood childhood's end. Well, yeah, I would. There's all kinds of things I would like too. I don't feel like it's a one or the others sort of situation. But, well, I'm excited uh, about it. I mean, I am. Yeah. You know, we've we've read the book for the club. It was great. Um, I'm excited for anything like this on sci-fi. I think sci-fi is doing a bang again. up it's, job of. It's it's a small enough book, and it's been so it's been long enough now since we read it. Um, if it does get closer to actually, I mean, it's getting closer because they've attached these people. It's not actually scheduled yet. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into picks, which where, uh, which where, oh, hell or high watermelon. What have you done to my speaking capabilities? Mm. Picks are where we talk about the stuff that you guys are reading as well as what we're reading right now. Uh, Lindsay writes, prior to reading the name of the wind, I read other bound by Corinne Doivis? Doivis? D-U-Y-V-I-S. Doivis. Otherbound by Corinne Doivis. She picked it up after listening to an interview with the author on the Skiffy and Fanty show, and it was excellent YA fantasy. Every time the main character blinks, his perspective switches to a girl in a secondary fantasy world. Wow. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds cool. cool. I didn't know about this. Thank you, Lindsay. Neither. See, this is why I like the What Else Are You Reading thread, and the more you tell us about what else you are reading, the cooler it is. 
because then we get more right, more reasons to look at what you've been reading. It's kind of like okay. mini reviews. Uh, coming out soon, if you're looking for some more picks, August 26th, uh, which is next week, The Broken Eye, uh, Lightbringer by Brent Weeks, Echopraxia by Peter Watts, which is continuing on from Blindsight, which we read as a sword and laser pick, and Lock-In by John Scalzi. Hold on, I have to let my cat in. She's stuck outside. One second. And then also, Let My Cat In, a, a cool story Hi, by Veronica Belmont. Okay, cat secured. September 2nd is Sleeping Late on Judgment Day, uh, the next in the Bobby Dollar series by Tad Williams. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this series. Um, I, I need to catch up on it, though, because I'm a little bit behind right now, and that is too bad. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we love... This is only the third book, book, right? So you're one, one behind now. Maybe I should do audiobooks, because I just yeah. caught up on... I finished all of the Kevin Hearn books for, um, right. for uh, Iron Druid Chronicles, so now I've got a little space. I'm listening to Name of the Wind in audio this time, because I did the book version last time. What do you um, think of so Nick Podell? Yeah, I, I warmed up to him for sure. You were right. I was wrong. Okay. Now I'll sing a different song. All right. Yeah. I'm, he's, he's I'm awesome. actually partway into the wise man's fear now already. Oh, yeah? Oh, I wow. powered All through right. Name of the Wind like I was eating candy. Was Did fun. you read it this time or listen to no, it? No, I'm again? still I'm doing the audiobook again because I'm cheap. So you just, you just listen really fast. I listened a lot. It's one of those books, uh, and there's been plenty of them like that, where I'm like finding mm-hmm. excuses to do stuff like vacuum and cook so I can keep listening to it. I've been just taking walks around the neighborhood with the dog. Oh, nice. That's cool. Listen. And you're in a new neighborhood, so that helps you ex- explore. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you can find more upcoming releases at swordandlaser.com slash calendar. Go there. Go. Do it. All right. Well, now it is time for Bury Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. This first thread I thought was really fun. Um, it was about sci-fi fantasy art that is worthy of framing. And this is from Rob. He says, I've been thinking about finally decorating the walls of my living room after many years of staring at blank walls. <laughs> I like to think that he's like in an insane asylum. And just like blank padded <laughs> like walls, walls everywhere. Nothing else. Sick of it. Furniture. Sick to death of looking at it. Um, he says, I wonder if anyone out there knows of some places to purchase either paintings and or prints worth framing that won't look tacky, but have a sci-fi or fantasy theme. I'm not sure exactly what I want, but I tend to be more sword than laser. Thanks. Um, so tons of great suggestions here. Uh, Prince from Michael Whalen, uh, James Christian Christensen. Um, and then I suggested uh, this this uh, poster. Uh, I actually bought my work at Bacon. Um, it was from uh, clemensart.com, uh, Sarah Clemens. Uh, she does a series called Magnus and Loki, and it's a kitty and a dragon, and they do geeky <laughs> fantasy stuff together, like the dragon's reading a book, and he accidentally burned a hole through it, and the cat Oops. is holding the Enterprise. On the end Little, like, heavily Neotny dragon with the big eyes, too. Yeah, he's really cute. Um, and then you had a recommendation as well. Well, I wanted to point out John's recommendation of Inprint, I-N-P-R-N-T dot com, because I didn't know about that site, and that's got a lot of cool stuff. And then Trike uh, said, yeah, don't forget DeviantArt dot com, because there's all kinds of crazy good artists on DeviantArt, and a lot of them sell their art as prints, and he included a bunch of them there. But yeah, I also uh, reminded folks about Adam Levermore's Firefly Universe prints. They're like right. kind of Art Deco travel posters, uh, and you can get those at qmxonline.com. i got the link in the show notes as well. Very cool. Now, I thought it would be fun to highlight some tweets that we've received recently. Yeah, this was cool. getting a lot of those. 
Um, Cassie Hedger, uh, who is at Professor Bookworm, uh, said, finally got my Sword and Laser anthology. Love the dedication. And uh, if you guys don't have the, the book um, and haven't seen the dedication, should we read it to them? It says, to all the boys and girls who wanted their very own pet dragon on a spaceship when they grew up, we still want that too. <laughs> so I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, we had a lot of fun. It started by just saying together. pet dragon, on, uh, and then I added on a spaceship. <laughs> and then uh, at books underscore pieces, books and pieces, um, posted a picture of her and the other Sword and Laser fans at LonCon 3. So that Woo! was really cool. They had a couple of meetups there, and uh, I was retweeting those on Twitter um, when they were happening to make sure that everyone got together and got to hang out. And so I was really happy to see this picture. So thanks for setting that whole thing up, and I'm glad you guys got a chance to meet and have a few drinks and talk about geeky stuff at LonCon. <laughs> and then uh, finally, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just uh, going to add uh, that it was cool to see everybody meeting up, and I wanted to apologize to the Orange County folks that I didn't make it to the Orange County Sword and Laser meetup last night because I had a friend in town. I had to take him to the airport, um, but maybe next time. Or the oldest excuse I, in the book. Maybe I should set up something that I know I can make it to. <laughs> <laughs> as well and stop being a slacker um, so one of those two yeah, things do do an LA meetup that would be awesome yeah, yeah we should and, and then finally uh, Christopher Johnson at the Lost Emperor uh, tweeted a picture of uh, 12 Tomorrows uh, just got this looks like a fantastic lineup it's from the MIT Technology Review SF Annual 2014 featuring William Gibson Corey Doctorow Warren Ellis Lauren Bukes and Pat Cadigan so super awesome uh, I'd love to get my hands on that myself as well on the cover it looks really cool yeah the stories were selected by bruce sterling uh it's an all-star lineup and yeah the cover looks like a, a cover from a, an original frank herbert dune novel it totally does yeah it feels very 50s 60s style, i'm not sure that which... isn't <laughs> uh it's got the art of john shaner however you say his name in there as well nice all right well, well should we jump into the book of the month discussion it's time. We must. All right, so before we get into anything spoilery, which we shouldn't really get into anything too spoilery, uh, next month's pick has been announced by Tom. Tom, tell us about next month's pick, your dictator pick. Yeah, I did a dictator pick this time. Last time we had kind of a partial vote, uh, so we might do a full-on like open vote next time. But I wanted to go back to doing something a little more modern. We did an Octavia Butler. It wasn't too old. I think it was ninety in the nineties. Uh, and then and and then we we've, we've done a lot of classic stuff, and I've tried to been altering uh, back and forth. But we haven't done an anthology. I don't think mm -hmm. ever have we. No. Uh, so I was looking at the listopia of the books that people have suggested. And I was thinking about just picking one from the top of the listopia, but I noticed that Ted Chang's Stories of Your Life and Others was on the listopia it wasn't high high up but it was you know it was it, it wasn't uh it, it had gotten enough votes that it was up there uh so i'm like well let's let's do an anthology so yeah that's going to be our book our book pick for september stories of your life and others by ted chang uh we may not give it a formal kickoff right at the beginning of the month because we'll be in dragon con but we'll mm -hmm. we'll we'll give it a kickoff the episode after Sounds good. All right, well, jumping into your feedback for The Name of the Wind, um, thanks to everyone who's been jumping in on the discussion forums on Goodreads and following my new naming convention. I've been very happy to see that. I had to go it's around and manually universally change It's been followed, hasn't it? 
Yeah, but they, they have taken it over, adopted it. It is working. It is a thing that is working. And it is specifically working in the casting thread started by Alexander, which is the whole reason we started this naming convention, because there were too many casting threads for all the different books, and it was getting confusing. Um, but Alexander has some ideas for potential uh, Name of the Wind people. Um, he says Brad Pitt for Kvothe. What do you think about that? For, you know, if you do that, you've got to do two. Uh, and I still think Brad Pitt's even too old for the for Coat. Because uh, Coat is somebody for, uh, who's like, what, 25, I think? Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm not, I'm not sure about that. A younger Brad Pitt might have been, been a, a spot-on choice. You're definitely not going to – I'm definitely not seeing Brad Pitt as Quoth at the university. No, no. Not even a what, young Brad Pitt. What do you think of Emma Stone as Denna? I kind of like that. I'm digging that. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. She's almost too nice. Like she's nice almost looking? got a little bit of too much of a girl next door vibe in the character she plays. I don't know. She could get... What is going on over there, Tom? What is that sound? Do you hear that sound? No? Weird. I heard a weird... It's gone now. How very strange. Um, I don't know. I think she could look kind of... Wait, you're smiling. You're sm why are you smiling in the video? Did you mute yourself? I just hate that you called attention to that sound. It's my oh. dog upstairs scratching the floor to make it more comfortable. And when she's oh. directly above the mic, there's no getting around it. So I've been muting it when I don't talk. Oh, I'm sorry. You tried so hard. I apologize. I thought it was like construction outside your house, which has been my problem because they're actually doing construction in my house. So anyway, sorry, Django. Didn't mean to call you out. But anyway, Emma Stone, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think she can look kind of tough, kind of badass. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. She's, she's, she's closest. But I don't anyway. know that I can think of anybody else off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah I'm bad at casting. This is something... This is a problem I always have with, with casting things. Um, I'm bad at this in vaginal fantasy. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm not, I don't know any actors. I can never, like, I just think of them the way they look in my mind, like, no matter what, so it doesn't, it doesn't get any easier. I like Lily Cole as Ari. Uh, that, that yeah, I do. To me. Especially with that picture. I think that's a great picture. Uh, Megan Fox, Fox is, is fella. Nah, I don't think so. Too old. Too Fella's old? Young. Fella's, like, super young. Hmm. Scarlett Johansson is Debbie. Yes. I think that's <laughs> perfect. She's not quite impish enough uh, in, in the look. Like I, I imagine somebody who looks more like Felicia Day actually for Davey. Um, but it was the card Scar actually it's, it's Debbie. She was the card. Um, she yeah. was uh, when Patrick Rothfuss did the cards. Oh, that's right. That's probably why I think Debbie. of her that, uh, in that yeah. role. But um, but Scarlett Johansson has definitely has the right attitude for Davy. Not that Felicia wouldn't. Cast Felicia. Might as well. Devi. It's Devi. Davy, yeah. uh, according it's Debbie. to the audiobook. No, I'm listening to the audiobook, and they say Devi. So am I. It's Devi. It's Devi. <laughs> it's not Davy. <laughs> All right. We'll talk later. All right. Well, anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of great ideas. People are posting uh, some great things. I don't um, I don't like Jack Nicholson for Elodin. I no, he's a little too. I think he's too old because actually. But in, I do like little... Jedward for Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. That's great. Fun stuff. 
All right, um, moving on. We also have um, uh, Devi. What is wrong with you? You're listening to the audiobook. That's not how the sound is. You 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 know how sound right? You can, hey, you did can you see mimic this? them with your mouth. Did you see this you read the sound, thread? And the same sounds can come there out of your really mouth. There was a really cool it's thread on Goodreads. Did you do you read Goodreads? Because there was this cool thread called the mm -hmm. Rereaders thread posted by Jack. And there have been some people, as there always are, it's not unusual to have people ripping apart whatever book we're reading every month because there's always somebody who doesn't like it, right? Uh, right. And so that's not unusual. But there, there's, there seem to be some people who really love this book who feel like they wanted a safe place to love it. Uh, so Jack posted the <laughs> Rereaders thread for people who've already read it and still wanted to read it again. Uh, and in that thread, there's a ton of great theories about what's going on. Yeah, I think the only hard part is trying to figure out when this book stops and when the next book begins because people, a lot of the people who have done the rereaders thread have also read the next book in the series. Um, yeah. So it gets uh, kind of hard. So to there's some wise man's fear spoilering going on in that thread. You're right. Yeah. So just be careful. Tread lightly. Um, you know, make sure that you're not getting any spoilers. There's a uh, cat all over my jam right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's an interesting theory from Rob. Uh, in this thread, who says Dena clearly has a connection to the Chandrian, if not because of anything special about her, at least her sponsor man. I don't think she's in line, just that they need a herald. This is the part that got me. Someone to sing them into town. And she's the kind of person that has the right skills, and when they're done with her, they can dispose of her without anyone noticing. Hmm. Uh, and there, there are a couple of allusions to the Chandrian being afraid of songs or needing, relying on songs. Um, mm -hmm. So someone to sing them into town. And of course, uh, the patron sort of helping Dena to develop her music. And we already know she's an amazing singer because of the Aeolian, because she jumps in in the name of the wind in Aeolian. So I kind of, I kind of, I'm, I'm taken by this theory of Rob's. What do you think? I think it's interesting. And we know that, you know, someone someone betrays Kvothe in the end. And we don't know who it is yet, but it seems like, you know, she's a pretty good pretty good hand at it, potentially. Just because, you know, she's the love interest. Um, yeah. it, it can get... It can get pretty pretty dark there. Uh, and then we have another interesting thing from Joanna who wrote, ooh, ooh, I just today reread the part where Master Kilvin quotes Chan Van Idan Kote, saying it means expect, expect disaster every seven years. From the dialogue there, it implies that Kote means disaster. That's really quite neat. And that, of course, is the name that Kvothe has taken later in life as he's uh, working at the tavern. Ooh, and so. would it be seven years later that he ends up in the tavern? Maybe, maybe seven seven years from from the uh, the Chandrian destroying his family's tr troop. Yeah, and isn't seven years isn't seven years like the lucky a lucky number or is it not? Yeah. Well, in it's... in real life, it is. <laughs> no, but I mean in this in this story, in oh, this it story, is. He is talks it? about it because he says his his trooper friend um, with the uh, Edimaru, um he always rolled seven. On the mm. dice. Okay. He had a knack. He had well, a knack for it. For the uh, for Master Wait, am I getting my books crossed? No. Uh, no, I think that. It anyway. Familiar. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if you actually listened to this book, Tom. What with your pronunciations being all wrong and whatnot. 
So maybe maybe you're thinking of a different book now. I, I know you read a lot. So you're the one who brought up something that you're not the... sure it's from the book, not me. I know <laughs> that this thing that Joanna wrote is from the book. I know that's from the book. I was asking if seven is a lucky number in this series. And well, I, think I don't it know. Is. I I mean, I don't no care Master about Kilvin, the real world. Master Kilvin doesn't think that it's lucky. He says expect disaster every seven years. So I'm just wondering. I'm if, just trying to remember if seven is a important number in this mythology. Mm. Anyway, well, hopefully we didn't spoil too much stuff. Well, I we were. I mean, we it's did. the book. It's the book discussion. We're gonna. We're allowed to spoil things about the book we're reading in the book discussion, and we. I know, but it's not. We, we're not done yet. None of these were wise man's fear. Yes. What? Yeah. None of these no. were from Wise Man's Fear. Correct. These were all name of the book. All right. Well, continue discussing the book over on Goodreads.com. Lots of cool discussions going on there. Lots of very heated discussions. And, uh, of course, we'll be wrapping up this book at the end of the month. Um, well, guess, no. Ooh, because gosh, we'll be, maybe at the very beginning of beginning of uh, September. Yeah. We'll be at DragonCon, so, yeah. DragonCon's coming up before we know it. Yep. All right. Well, hey, guys. So I don't know if you saw, but we, um, we've we been doing stuff with the newsletter again. Uh, so if you haven't signed up, please do so. Um, we're going to have a contest, or not a contest, just a raffle, really, it's if you sign up to the newsletter. Yeah. It's a giveaway, free giveaway. Um, you'll get a copy of Half a King by Joe Abercrombie, which has been signed um, by the author. Um, when he was here in San Francisco, I got him to, uh, I bought a book for you guys, so I would love for you to win it. And uh, you can do so by just being a subscriber to the newsletter. So head over to swordandlaser.com. On the right-hand side, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a place to sign up for the info beam. Just enter in your name and email, and you'll be good to go. And uh, we'll, we're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your email address anywhere. It's just for us to do giveaways and, and tell you about cool stuff we're working on. Um, so we hope you'll join us over there. And, of course, if you want to keep up with tons more cool podcasts, head over to boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. A lot of our friends over there have some great shows. If you like Sword and Laser, you'll probably like some of those shows as well, too. Um, so, yeah, Boing Boing family of podcasts. A lot of great stuff over there, especially Boar's Gore and Swords, uh, which will be starting back up again. Uh, well, they're doing some cool stuff now, but they're really hot when Game of Thrones is on because that's when they do all the cool recap episodes. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen on Goodreads. And if you want to call and leave a voicemail, it does work. I checked. It's 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you guys next time. Bye, bye.